Welcome to the Word Podcast. Hello, good day, and welcome to the Word Podcast. This is episode 14, and it is the story of Naaman. For this story, we are going all the way back into the Old Testament, and we find Naaman's story in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 to 19. It's a story of faith, pride, arrogance, stubbornness, and reward. And I'm going to read the story for anyone who is unfamiliar or doesn't have their Bible out. But first, as we always do, we will start off by giving praise and thanks to our God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everyone who hears this prayer. We all stand under your care and protection. We thank you for your unfailing love that will never leave us. Help us to know you better, to know your words. May we love and serve each other as Jesus did. Fill us with the Holy Spirit to do your good works here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's get right into our Bibles here. And I will read the story of Naaman. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1-19. to Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of the raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man sends words to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, 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 But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is no prophet in Israel, that there is a prophet in Israel, excuse me. Let him come to me now, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry, and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me, and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place, and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage, but his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? 
So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth. For from now on, on your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, when I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. And he said to him, Go in peace. Okay, I kind of flew through that one. Um, but we get the idea, and I'll go over it in this episode. So Naaman was a commander in the Syrian army. He was a well-respected commander. He was held in high favor because of his victories, but he was a leper. Now, leprosy is a disease which is most commonly associated with uh, a rash of lesions on the skin. The skin can become thick, red, uh, and deformed. It can affect your nerves, your muscles, your sinuses, your eyes. It's a terrible affliction for anyone to have, and Naaman had it. Now, it just so happens that Naaman's wife had a servant girl, and this servant girl was a young Israelite girl who was captured on an earlier Syrian raid. One of the spoils of war uh, was that you could capture slaves and force them to be your servants. This young girl would have lived with Naaman and was assigned to serve his wife. The servant girl would have known about Naaman's leprosy and would have seen his suffering. So one day the little girl said to her mistress, if only my master, Naaman, would visit the prophet in Samaria, he could be cured of his leprosy. This young servant girl knew about the prophet, Elisha, and had faith that he could heal Naaman through the power of God, of the Israelites. When Naaman heard about this, he went to the king of Syria, his king, to seek permission to seek out this possible cure. And the king sends Naaman to Samaria along with a letter to the Samarian king. This letter explained the situation and also a gift was sent along with Naaman. Uh, as we mentioned, all the gold, the silver, and the clothing were sent as well. This letter was asking the king of Samaria to heal the leprosy. Not the prophet that the, the servant girl spoke of, but the king sent a letter to the other king asking him to heal Naaman's leprosy. Now, the Israelite king was upset by this letter. He thought it was some sort of trap or some sort of challenge. This Israelite king obviously didn't even know about one of his own people who was a prophet. The little servant girl knew about Elisha, but the king did not. So the king screams and shouts, tears his clothing, and makes a big deal about this, saying, how am I supposed to heal someone? The commotion of this eventually gets around, and 
news of this letter comes to the prophet Elisha, who calmed the king down and said, send this Naaman to me. So Naaman is sent to Elisha's home, where he is greeted by a messenger. Interestingly here, Elisha doesn't even come out to meet Naaman, just sends a messenger instead. The messenger tells Naaman, go and wash in the river Jordan seven times and your flesh will be healed upon the seventh wash. Okay, let's pause here for a second and just make sure we understand the picture that's being painted. Naaman is a big deal. He's a mighty warrior. He's an assistant and protector of the Syrian king. A very, very big deal uh, where he's from and probably in his own mind, he thinks he's a very important person. He would have, Naaman would have been accustomed to um, being received with some pomp and fanfare whenever he arrived somewhere. And now here he's traveled all the way and he's weary from traveling such a great distance and he's met only by a messenger. Not even the prophet himself came to see Naaman. And this messenger just says, oh yeah, just uh, go wash in the river Jordan seven times, you'll be fine. Very, very underwhelming message. Naaman was expecting something pretty incredible. He was expecting a big ceremony or a laying of hands or something. He even mentions in the in the text about, he thought he would come out and wave his hands over uh, his skin. But at the very least, Naaman expected to be met by the prophet in person. But all he got was a messenger that said, go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times. Needless to say, Naaman was furious. Elisha had not come out to meet him personally. There was no ceremony whatsoever, no show, no spectacle. And also the idea of bathing in the Jordan River angered Naaman. Being a high-ranking Syrian officer, he considered the River Jordan inferior to the waters of his own country. Why, why would I travel all this way just to bathe in the Jordan River when there are bigger, better rivers in my own country? So the very proud Naaman, angry, says, just forget the whole thing and plans to storm away back home. And this is where Naaman's servants speak up and try to reason with him. Basically saying, look, we've traveled all this way. You were prepared to try anything, anything that any giant event or spectacle or sacrifice, anything this prophet would have asked, we were prepared to do. We're already here. Why not at least just try it? All he's asking you to do is wash yourself seven times in the river and we're here. So why can't we just try it? Frustrated, but still suffering from leprosy, Naaman gives in and goes into the Jordan River. He bathes himself seven times and we are told on the seventh wash, Naaman is cured. The Bible says his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. Naaman is a changed man, a cured man, who immediately goes to the prophet Elisha and offers him all the gold, silver, and clothing that he had brought as a reward. To which Elisha says, no, no thank you. He will not accept any award whatsoever. The prophet of God would accept Nothing from Naaman, making it very, very clear that miracles are not for sale. God's healing cannot be bought with gold or silver. It's freely given. 
Naaman then explains to the prophet Elisha that his heart is now changed as well. Just as his skin was healed, his heart now belongs to God. He says to Elisha, Now I know there is no God in all the world except for the God of Israel. So Naaman has now become a believer. He is forsaking all the gods of his homeland and wants to follow the one true God. And since Elisha will not accept any rewards, Naaman asks for something. He asks for two, two mule loads of dirt. He wants to take dirt from, from Israel back to his homeland so that he may offer sacrifices to the one true God on this dirt from Israel and never again to offer anything to a false God. So Naaman, now healed, now a worshiper of the God of Israel, is heading back to Syria. But he's very troubled. He knows that when he returns home, one of his duties as a military leader, as an assistant to the king, is that he must accompany this king, his king, whenever his king goes to the temple to worship. And the king of Syria worshipped the false god Rimmon in the temple of Rimmon, Rimmon, R-I-M-M-O-N. That was the god that they were worshipping in Syria. Naaman knows he has to be part of this. He has to, it says the, the king leans on his arm when he goes to worship. Naaman knows he's going to have to continue to go into this temple to serve his king. So he asks God for forgiveness in advance. He knows he's going to have to spend time in this temple of the false god. So he's asking God in advance for forgiveness for what he has to do. Elisha assures Naaman that he will be forgiven. He says, go in peace. For although you'll be in the temple of Rimmon, God sees Naaman's heart. He knows where Naaman's love and belief lie. Naaman returns to Syria. He's happy, he's healed, and he is rejoicing in his newfound faith. And that is the story of Naaman. The first part, there's, there's a little bit more... Uh, Gehazi is mentioned, but this is the, the main focus of the story of, of the healing of Naaman, the seven times. That's what I wanted to focus on. That's the story of Naaman and how his leprosy was healed and how his heart changed and how his heart turned towards the one true God. And there are many, many things to take away from this. It's, boil it down, it's a story of faith. That's, that's very common in a lot of our Bible studies, but this is a very, very clear story of faith. How this, the young servant girl from the beginning that was, probably saw her whole family massacred, and she was taken as a slave to work in the, the home of Naaman to serve Naaman's wife. This little servant girl had enough faith in the healing powers of her God, that she suggested that her master travel to the prophet Elisha for healing. What if the healing didn't work? What if an angry, disappointed Naaman returned after all that traveling, uh, unsatisfied, unhealed? Would he punish the slave girl for even suggesting such a thing? Perhaps. But we see again how God 
can call on the most unlikely of people to step out in faith. This young girl had so much faith in her God, whereas in contrast, the king of Israel, to whom the letter was sent, had no faith. The king didn't even think of Elisha's healing ability through God. He didn't even think of the prophet. Instead, he just got frustrated by his own lack of faith and abilities. The king tears his clothes and loses his mind because he's thinking that he's supposed to heal and he, he just knows he can't do that because he has such little faith. Besides the faith story, we see pride at play once again here as well. Naaman arrived with gold, clothing, silver, whereas the prophet Elisha had nothing of the sort. All Elisha had was faith that his God could heal. So much faith, in fact, that Elisha himself didn't even have to see Naaman in person. Just send a messenger with the instructions. No big showing of, uh, no incantations, no laying of hands, no nothing. Elisha just sends his prophet with the instructions. That's how strong the prophet's faith was and how confident he was that if God is willing to heal him, he will be healed. And when the healing was done and Naaman tried to offer rewards, Elisha refused any reward. Serving God was his reward. Gold and silver do not impress God. And we see this idea of gold and silver and what God thinks about it in Acts chapter 8, verse 20, when Peter says to the magician, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Later on in Jesus's ministry, he brings up the story of Naaman. In Luke chapter 4, verse 27, Jesus tells the crowd about how in Naaman's time, many, many people suffered from leprosy, yet only Naaman the Syrian, a non-Jew, a non-believer, was healed. That would have been very, very difficult for people to understand, for, for believers in the God of Israel to understand that they weren't being healed, but this outsider was. And it shows us that God can use a foreigner to illustrate a very difficult principle. The lepers of Israel perhaps overlooked or doubted Elisha, doubted God's ability to heal them. So God healed Naaman instead. How did, the, how did the Gentiles receive the gospel in the first place? Because the Israelites rejected Jesus. God will use whoever he chooses to fulfill his will. It often doesn't make sense to us. It could frustrate us. It could confuse us. But, but should we understand everything God does? He's God. We're men. Of course, we won't always understand. But that's where the trust comes in. That's where the faith comes in. We don't understand his plan, but we must trust his plan. We see pride, stubbornness, faith, arrogance, rewards, all rolled into the story of Naaman. And that's it. That'll do it for today's show. That's the story of Naaman.
uh, I thought I had like it was a bigger passage to read, so I kind of flew through a lot of stuff. But that's the gist of the story of Naaman. You you know a little bit about him now. If you didn't before, I certainly didn't. Uh, let's recap what scriptures were covered today, so you can go back and check it all for yourself. The story of Naaman. If you'd like to read that one for yourself, his story is found in Second Kings, chapter five, verses uh, one to nineteen. Yes, Second Kings, chapter five, verses one to nineteen. It does go on past that a little bit with uh, Gehazi's greed and punishment, and maybe that's for another day. Um, but we wanted to focus on the healing of his leprosy. So 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. We also mentioned Acts chapter 8, verse 20, and Luke chapter 4, verse 27. So please, I encourage you to go back and read it for yourselves. It's an interesting story, a story I was unfamiliar with until I came across it. If you grew up with Bible teachings or Sunday school, you may be familiar with this story. I wasn't, so I'm glad God gave me this as this part of the Bible for me to look into and learn a little bit more about. So let's let's fire up the Bible verse generator and see what we are given today. And today we go back to the Psalms again. There's a lot of them, so I guess they would come up. Psalm 55, verses 16 and 17. But I will call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. The Bible's full of people complaining to God, and I know that I do it from time to time as well. I come to my father with my struggles. Sometimes I think I shouldn't. Sometimes I think there are so many more important things to ask God for. Why am I telling him about my bad day when there's people starving in the world, right? And I'm telling him about a bad day I had at work. But by thinking that way, am I putting a limit on God's love or power? I can't get into the mindset where I think that I should suck it up or try to deal with something on my own and then come to God once I've fixed myself because I can't fix myself without him. I can't. So yeah, we can complain to God and we can ask him for help even if we feel that maybe our prayers are insignificant or what we're asking for is 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 such a small thing that we shouldn't even ask for it. I I go to God with everything and I believe he wants us to come to him with everything that troubles us. We can't do it ourselves. The smallest thing I can't fix myself without him. So this is a good time to close off the episode with a quick prayer. Let's get a little quick prayer in here. God in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for enabling us to be productive, for giving us your Bible. And we ask that when we read your words, that it bears fruit in our lives that it touches the hearts of all who hear about you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And again, I want to just thank everyone who listens to these podcasts. If you've listened to this one, thank you. It means a lot to me and it encourages me. It continues to support my efforts to make these. I, like, I still have a lot of fun doing them, but I, I, really do, uh, I really do appreciate any comments or anything that people mention about it. 
I also want to thank my mom who comments on uh, every single episode. Uh, she's very supportive and uh, a good Christian mother. And I encourage others to write something at the end of an episode if it meant something to you or if I got something wrong or got something right, I'd love to hear from you. So we'll stop here. That's enough for today. Um, yeah, we'll close off with, uh, like we always do, we'll find something to close off with here. How about the last line from uh, Hebrews? Or if we did that one already, the last line of Hebrews is, Grace be with you all. God bless everyone. Until next time, grace be with you all.